Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strange Matters podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is mysterious, bizarre, and unexplained. I am Sean, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Eric. What's up, everybody? So, today we're going to be introducing a new Patreon tier that we have added to our supporters page. So, for anyone who is willing to pledge $15 a month, we will be doing a full-length episode in that patron's name answer any specific questions they may have, and share any specific information that said patron wishes for us to share. In this episode, we will once again be diving into the story of a person who disappears under mysterious circumstances. This is the case of Ben McDaniel, a man who was last seen scuba diving in an underwater cave. Due to the circumstances, the common belief is that most people think he simply drowned in some way while diving, However, his body has never been found, nor any trace of him at all discovered in the caves, in all the years that he's been missing. So this has led many others to come up with alternative reasons and explanations for Ben's strange disappearance. For this episode, we'd like to give a big shout out to Sean V, our first preferred patron over at Patreon, who suggested we look into this disturbing underwater case. Thanks to Sean V and all of the other patrons supporting the show, we are able to continually grow our audience improve the quality of the show, and hope to soon create new content such as merchandise for all of our listeners all around the world. Yeah, so the way the Tier 3 thing is going to work is that we'll have a maximum of five preferred patrons, and we'll just kind of cycle through whoever is our Tier 3 patron and do a different request for them every month. So if you're one of those people who likes to send us 10 requests for episodes and an email which is awesome by the way Um, this might be something that interests you right so as usual with these mysteries we'll start with a little bit of the background so benjamin j mcdaniel was a 30 year old man living in florida at the time he was living in his parents summer house up until august 2010 when he would eventually disappear before this he had suffered a series of setbacks in his life Before his move to Florida, Ben had hit a rough patch in which he went through a divorce, a bankrupted construction business, he had over $50,000 in tax debt, and he also experienced the death of his brother, all in a relatively short time span. Yeah, his brother, the family, would state that he died of a stroke, which is unusual because he was 22 years old but a lot of people suspect that he was involved with some prescription drug use, um, which could have led to his death. So, I mean, despite the fact that this family was pretty wealthy and well-off, they definitely had their troubles. Yeah, and I mean, in any case, he was definitely too young to go, so Ben took that very hard. So later in the summer of 2010, he was living in the beach house, which was owned by his parents that they use as a vacation house, and what they called a sabbatical So basically just a time for him to recover from all his recent mental and emotional trauma and basically just relax for a little while before he started to get his life back together. So in that time of living out the coast, Ben rediscovered his love of scuba diving. So he had been an avid diver at parts throughout much of his life. He had started when he was a teenager and while he picked it back up, he quickly became a regular at the nearby Vortex Spring near Ponce de Leon. Vortex Springs is one of Florida's largest freshwater diving facilities. I was pretty surprised to learn that the diving facility 
in terms of its surface area is really not all that big. Like if I stood at one end of the land, judging from an aerial photograph that I found, you know, on the web, it, it looks like something I could probably throw a football across to the other side, or at least kind of somewhat close to that to give you an idea. Um, but what's really amazing is the depth of the cave. So at 58 feet, you were basically at the very entrance of the cavern. And then another 300 feet into the cave, you'll reach a gate. And then if you're an experienced diver, you can go even further. But looking at pictures of this cave, it appears that it's just a complete maze. And there are holes all over the place um, that you can explore and potentially get lost in. Also, it's worth mentioning that for Ben, this wasn't simply a hobby for him. It was literally like a lost passion. So like Sean said, he had done this um, through various periods of his life. He was kind of an adrenaline junkie and enjoyed this sort of thing, anything outdoorsy. Um, And then, you know, to maintain his marriage and his construction company, he had to give it up for a period of his life. And upon rediscovering it, it began to really lift him out of his slump that he had been in for the last few months and kind of restore his zest for life. Yeah, it definitely seemed to be his main focus um, throughout his time that he was staying down there in Florida. So as we get closer to his disappearance, on August 18th of 2010, uh, Ben McDaniel once again ventured to Vortex Springs to dive. And at this point, he'd become a pretty well-known regular at the Springs. So at around 7.30 p.m. at that night, two other divers saw McDaniel as he started to descend down into the springs, most likely heading towards the cave. So the caves at the spring were one of the most popular attractions for divers in the area, as they posed quite a challenging feat. It is worth noting that the caves at the spring had already a notorious and deadly reputation, as 13 divers had died in the caves in the 1990s. And the state even debated whether to just close the facility down due to the growing number of deaths that had occurred in the area. But in order to appease the critics, the owners of the place uh, put several signs around the water warning that fatality could occur for those who would venture to the caves. And then they also installed a gate, as Eric was talking about earlier, to try to make sure that the amateurs and newbies wouldn't venture too far down. So this locked gate was installed several hundred feet into the caves, as Eric was talking about earlier, and only qualified divers were supposed to be able to have access to the depths beyond that gate. So copies of the key were kept at the dive shop, and only certified cave divers would be able to gain access to the area beyond the locked gate. While this was a metal locked gate, it sounds pretty like secure and sturdy. In reality, it really wasn't. There are actually videos on the internet that demonstrate how easily one can actually get through the gate if you know what you're doing. So basically, if you're not a certified diver and you don't have these qualifications to get through the gate, um, like by getting a key from the owners, um, but perhaps you were a little bit more confident in yourself or even overconfident, one could pretty easily squeeze through the metal bars and continue on into the depths, which is actually something that Ben McDaniel had been known to do various times in the past. In a way, I guess I could see why they would make it that way, just to make sure that 
and the weird case that the gate locked behind while divers were in there that they actually could get out. I think it was more just like of a stern warning than like an actual barrier that was supposed to keep like everyone out. Right. And plus it's sort of a, a political statement to kind of cover your butt. If somebody does get lost in there and they weren't a certified diver, then you can say, well, you know what? We got that metal gate there and they tried to break the rules. So. Yeah. Yeah. The science in the gate kind of takes some of the liability off your hands. If people, exactly. you can say they, they weren't, they ignored all these warning signs and you know, what else could we do about it? So now McDaniel was not actually a certified diver. So technically he should never have been able to get past these gates into the caves. However, kind of as we were saying, since he was such a regular at the spring and was known to those who worked there, one of the employees at the dive shop saw McDaniels going for his dive, so he followed him down and unlocked the gate for him. So it was at this point that the two separated, the employee would resurface, and McDaniel would continue to dive deeper into the dangers of the cave below, and this would actually be the last time that anyone would ever see Ben McDaniel historically the person that let ben mcdaniel through the gate he'd done this before because he knew ben Mc, he knew mcdaniel was just going to get through the gate somehow anyways mm-hmm. whether he was squeezing through a crack or jimmying the the lock open um but historically the the individual would normally stick around um, at least for a little bit until mcdaniel kind of made his appearance and was coming back to the surface and everything but this particular night, because it was starting to get late, they think that he just decided to, you know, kind of head out and ended up not sticking around for McDaniel. And when when Sean V first suggested this story for us to look into, it didn't initially grab me. But as I read more and more about it, um, just kind of the idea of being trapped in this cave and drowning is possibly the most horrific thing I could imagine. Um, so I just kind of picture myself in a dark area, underwater, I have a headlamp, and I'm basically in this gigantic, unforgiving maze, and it's like, okay, I'm lost, I know my time is ticking, my oxygen is running out, um, and it's not going to be very long before I die, and not just dying, but in like a just horrific, unimaginable Yeah, it must be horrible. I mean, as we said, several divers had already died in these caves before, but just to think of like the exact moment they realized that they had no idea where they were in the caves, I just can't imagine it. It's probably like a, a slow kind of onset of panic, and you're just like trying to turn around and look for an escape. It wasn't until two days later that people at the spring had noticed that Ben's truck had remained in the same spot in the parking lot for the past couple days. So instantly fearing the worst, the owners contacted the Holmes County Sheriff's Department that they had potentially a missing person at the spring. I've heard a couple different takes on this. So some people are really suspicious of this whole scenario. Um, So I guess August 18th was a Wednesday when McDaniel went down, which means the business was up and running for a solid two days without the workers noticing and becoming concerned about the truck that was parked in clear view of the main office. Um, So 
I've heard some people say that this is suspicious, that they should have noticed that the car was parked there, um, and that this could imply that there was some foul play or suspicious activity going on, which we'll talk about later. On the other hand, though, some people put up a defense towards that argument that, you know, McDaniel was routinely, especially during this time in his life, the first person there to the springs, and he would frequently stay until everybody was gone. So it wasn't unusual for him to be out there at early hours and late hours of the day because he was so passionate about this. Yeah. So, I mean, as you're saying, there's two sides. You think you get suspicious if, you know, the guys who come in the early morning and they see Ben's truck already there. And then when they're leaving, Ben's truck is still there. And they come the next morning, Ben's truck is there. And then they wait till the like the end of the day and be like, okay, maybe something's up. Um, I mean, you would think, I would assume since he was such a regular, he would like pop into the shop every day, probably. So, I mean, if these guys are seeing this truck, but then, you know, maybe they just didn't notice or is too busy. So, I mean, you could make arguments for both sides, whether this is really suspicious or if it was just... Uh, an accident that no one really noticed for two days. So after it was finally found out that something strange was going on, an initial search of the truck discovered really nothing of substance beyond Ben's keys were in there. Uh, His wallet was in there containing $700 and then his cell phone. So as fear spread, the volunteer divers began a more detailed search as they started to look around the spring, and then they started to venture into the caves below as well. Eventually, cadaver dogs were also brought along to smell the surrounding swamplands for any scent of Ben, perhaps thinking maybe he had resurfaced at some point and had just wandered off into the swamps for some reason. I remember hearing that some there are mixed reviews, mixed stories about what the cadaver dogs actually turned up. Well, it's generally agreed that on land, the cadaver dogs didn't really find anything. Some people think that they kind of got a tip when they were searching around the water's edge and stuff and inside the water. Um, But ultimately, you know, the cadaver dogs aren't really an exact science anyways, so it's kind of hard to tell whether this was useful evidence or not. So Ben's parents were contacted by the local police at this point and notified that their son had not been seen for several days. So they also came down to their beach house to help in the search. After the initial failed search, professional dive teams were brought in for about a month. And for the entire 30 days, they did an exhaustive search of basically every nook and cranny that they could fit into into the caves below. The only thing that really came up during this exhaustive search were two oxygen tanks that were discovered at the cave's entrance. So this fact is a bit odd for two reasons. One is that the tanks were filled with just normal air and not the specialized mixed breathing gas that scuba divers would need for such a thing as exploring deep underwater caves. And also divers would not have placed their reserve tanks all the way back at the cave's entrance but they would rather put it along their path so that they could easily be able to switch them out on the return trip for decompression reasons and also as just little reminders, uh, you know, to help them find their way back in the first place. So no one really has a good idea of why these tanks were just left at the entrance. But it's not 100% sure if they were even bins but most people agree that more than likely they did belong to Ben McDaniel. They just didn't know 
what exactly he was doing with them at the time that he disappeared. So as the search continued and there was no sign of Ben, the McDaniel family became desperate for answers, and they actually offered a $10,000 reward for anyone brave enough to look into the most dangerous areas of the cave that their son's body might be hidden. So this move actually backfired against the family, as many of the professional and volunteer divers had already risked plenty trying to find Ben's body for free, and so their warning that only the brave would be able to do it kind of caused some to give up on the family, with the implication that they were too cowardly or scared to go further in their search. So those in charge of the investigation warned the family that such a reward could cause inexperienced and untrained divers to try to sneak in and search the depths of the cave at the risk of their own life. So undeterred, instead of dropping the reward, the McDaniels actually increased it to 30000 And unfortunately, the exact thing that the experts had warned about would eventually come true. So a man named Larry Higginbottom, who was a diver from Mississippi, had dove deep into the caves, most likely in search of Ben's body for the substantial reward money. At some point along his dive, Larry must have gotten turned around and lost his way, and eventually getting stuck in the narrow spaces of the underwater structure. Unable to resurface in time, Larry would eventually run out of air and drown. The next day, Larry's body was found in the very caves that he was searching, hoping to find Ben's body. So due to the increased criticisms and fear of losing other divers who would be attracted to the area, the McDaniels would abandon the $30,000 reward money. So there's a number of different theories regarding the disappearance of Ben McDaniel, and probably the one that everybody assumed right off the bat was that Ben McDaniel had drowned in the caves. A lot of people do believe that he's actually still down there. He's just buried in the furthest reaches of the cave. So the more we accept the theory that he's still in the cave, the more we can accept the theory that the professional divers just couldn't find him and didn't want to, you know, potentially bruise their ego by not admitting it. Um, Because if he did manage to fit through some tiny nook or cranny that the professional divers weren't or were simply too scared to try to go into, then it becomes all the more likely that he actually died there. So... It would be easy for these professional divers that are, you know, worshipped as the gods of scuba diving, the best of the best, to just say, eh, he's just not down there. Plus, it's not unreasonable that his body also could have been swept out to sea at some point as well, uh, given that this was a spring and ultimately connected to the sea. Right, so the theory that he drowned, kind of as you were saying, it was kind of just accepted at the days after his disappearance that he had drowned. It wasn't until sometime later that other alternative theories would come about that we'll get into in a few moments. Everyone at this point just assumed that he drowned. And as you're saying, they brought in, you know, professional divers. Some of the local guys went down there in the days after volunteering, trying to find him. And there was just no sign of him whatsoever. Or at least, as you say, now that they could find. So basically, he would either have to fit into one of these really small cracks or something that the others just either couldn't get into or didn't think to look into, or perhaps, as you said, his body just went into some other system and just would never be found back in those caves. 
one of the main criticisms of the drowning theory is that they actually did perform tests on the water in multiple time periods, and there was no indication that there was any sort of decaying life matter down there, um, at least in substantial volume. Also, another thing they look for is an increase in the aquatic life. Um, whenever there's a dead body or some sort of food source for these fish, and particularly the eels, um, they're generally drawn to that and will feed off of it. But that's not something that was witnessed anywhere in the depths of the cave. Right, and you just have to think that multiple people had died in these caves and all their bodies were discovered pretty easily the day after. So Ben McDaniel is the only person who allegedly drowned in the caves and no trace of them was ever found. So some people don't really buy the drowning theory at all. So one of the alternative theories was that Ben McDaniel actually faked his death trying to set up a scenario where it looks like he drowned and instead ran away. So during the search, a man named Ed Sorensen was contacted, and Sorensen was a extremely veteran cave diver and recovery specialist with hundreds of dives to his credit. Sorensen had agreed to come and help in the search for Ben's body. By this time, the caves at the spring had already been thoroughly searched, and the other divers told him and the other newcomers that it was just too dangerous to go any further than they already had. And Sorensen, however, was no average diver, and he insisted that he go down to the caves himself and see what he could find. So before he had disappeared, Ben had been mapping the caves that he was exploring, and when Sorensen arrived, he made three deep dives in a single cave, and he was able to search quite a bit further into the caves than Ben had ever mapped out. And he was using specialized equipment to get into tight spaces and explore dangerous areas that the others just couldn't reach. After his series of exhaustive searches, Sorensen had this to say. There was no way Ben could have gone through some of the narrower restrictions in the cave. I know what I'm doing and I barely made it through. The last place I searched was pristine, without a mark that a diver had been there. It would be impossible to go through that restriction without making a mark on the floor or ceiling. He's not in there. So another man named Steve Keen, another veteran diver who had originally mapped the Vortex Spring back in 2003, also arrived to look. Keen performed seven extensive dives, but also came up completely empty-handed, finding absolutely no signs of Ben. After his own searches, Keen also said, if he's in there, I don't know where he'd be. So to summarize this theory, we had over a dozen expert divers involved in a search that lasted over a month. They were exploring areas that the average diver like Ben McDaniel just would not have been able to get into, and there was still not a single sign that Ben could be found. So Ed Sorensen, who was the most experienced diver at the scene by far, was convinced afterwards that there was no undiscovered body in the caves. So from that, we can deduce two things. Either Ben McDaniel did not actually drown in the caves and simply maybe used it as a way to stage his own death to run away, or that his body was removed from the caves, perhaps by the owners, as a way to avoid any more bad press that had plagued them in the previous decade. 
You could make reasons why Ben would want to run away and start fresh. As we said again, he had a failed marriage. He had a failed business attempt. He had a large debt. So perhaps after enjoying a brief hiatus from his responsibilities, he just wanted to start life completely over as a new person and use the Vortex Springs as a way to fake his death, as a way to just start completely new. Yeah, I think the primary motivator, if this were the case, would be McDaniel's huge tax debt. I mean, $50,000 is a lot of money to owe the IRS, and it could easily you know, drive someone to do something drastic. Plus, at this point in his life, it's like, what did he really have to lose? I mean, he did have a girlfriend and a dog who were staying with him in Florida, um, but a lot of people think that the main reason, the main problem with this theory is Ben going through with it and then just being having the strength to do that to his parents because they had already lost his brother. How he would be able to live with himself knowing that he had done this to his parents who are, you know, at a complete loss. They don't know the truth. All they know is that their second son is gone forever. Right. And you would think just because, you know, he wasn't exactly flowing with cash that remember his wallet had $700 in his truck. So if he was planning on running away or starting over, unless he had another stockpile of cash, I don't see why he would leave that much money just lying back in his truck. You know, if he was trying to stage this as a way to get away, I would have taken the money. I think anybody would have, unless he was deliberately putting that back to try to make people think that this wasn't the case. It's interesting to think, though, that if this was what really happened to Ben, that he's just, you know, on a beach somewhere, chilling out, not really dead, but very much alive, Ben would actually probably at some point in time know every detail of his own disappearance in that he would probably read newspaper articles and web articles just out of simple curiosity, which would mean that he was probably aware of Larry Higginbottom, who was the individual who lost his life searching for him in the cave. And this is probably just an unintended consequence that would plague his conscience for the rest of his life. Yeah, so kind of as you were saying, if he was following along with this case, you would think at that point he would come forward and, you know, say what was really happening. So I don't think Ben McDaniel was like a horrible guy. So it is kind of hard for me to believe that, as you said, he would put his parents through this and that he would continue to stay hidden while one person possibly died looking for him and others were putting their lives at risk also looking for him. So, the final theory about the disappearance of Ben McDaniel is probably, in my opinion, the most of a stretch. And that's the theory that Ben McDaniel was actually murdered. So, you have to admit, it would be pretty easy for someone to plan a murder in such a place with this kind of reputation where people just kind of get lost and die at the bottom of this cave um or even that he was accidentally killed and somebody tried to cover it up so a lot of people think that he could have been involved in an altercation with some of the staff at the facilities who didn't want him to go down and tamper with the gate a lot of people have noted that 
Ben McDaniel was pretty arrogant about his abilities with diving. Um, so he would frequently break the rules just because he thought he had a right to. This makes sense to me that it would be pretty easy for somebody to, you know, maybe let him in and then lock the gate up really carefully or reinforce it somehow and then close up for the day and let him simply go down there and drown and then the next morning come down for him, unlock the gate, remove his body and leave some gas tanks in a hastily planned attempt at staging the scene. This theory is supported by the thing that I mentioned earlier where the truck was parked for two days. So one could rationalize that the owners maybe wanted to put as much time between his disappearance and its realization before the investigation actually was able to take place. And this would help to cover up any evidence. Right. That would make sense, especially if they wanted to avoid suspicion. They wouldn't want to say he was missing the morning after because, you know, that increases the chance of them being caught or evidence being discovered. So it is better to wait two days and let a whole bunch of other divers go in the area where Ben was to kind of murk up the scene a little bit. So further on this theory, during their own investigation, Ben McDaniel's parents found out that a number of the Springs employees had criminal records. And they also did not think that the law enforcement handled the investigation very well. So Eduardo Tehran, who was the employee who unlocked the gate to the caves to let Ben McDaniel go down and was supposedly the last person to see him alive, was only asked a few basic questions in a very brief interrogation by the police before he was let go. So the McDaniels believe that this man could know more than letting on and criticized the police for basically only spending a few minutes with the man who could play a very important role in the story. It's a pretty basic rule when you're doing an investigation like this that the first person you go to and try and gather the most information from is the person that saw the missing individual most recently or last. And that was this Eduardo guy. Yeah, I think the thing that goes against them, though, is that kind of as we said at the very beginning, no one would even suspected that anything shady was going on. Everyone just assumed that he was drowned, so... I could see why the police wouldn't spend too much time actually interrogating the man just because at that point all they were doing is, you know, basically a missing persons report and everyone had pretty much agreed that Ben McDaniel was drowned in the caves. I still feel like they should have gone back and spent a little bit more time with um, Eduardo to try and gather more information when he didn't turn up and when things started to take a more mysterious turn. Yeah, you think they would go back and basically interview every employee there just to get every bit of information they could. So speaking of others working at the Vortex Spring, Lowell Kelly, who was the owner of the Vortex Spring at the time, also had a shady reputation. So at the time of Ben's disappearance, he was actually facing criminal charges for taking a man who owed him money out into the middle of the woods and then trying to beat him with a baseball bat. So whether Kelly was a sadistic man or had just watched too many gangster movies isn't entirely known, but some think that he could have either had a role in Ben's death or had more information than he had let on. So a year after the disappearance, Lowell Kelly pled out and was sentenced to serve seven years probation 
for kidnapping and assaulting the man who owed him money. However, shortly after this, Kelly was hosting a chili cook-off at the spring when he was found at the bottom of some stairs as he had apparently fallen down the flight of stairs. And an unidentified person took Kelly home and showered him and let him rest in the bathtub for the night. And then at some point later in that night, a second unidentified person arrived and saw that Kelly was in a very bad condition. So he was rushed to the hospital, but unfortunately he would end up dying from his injuries. So the sheriff's office would not release the identities of those two people involved with Lowell Kelly the night that he died or the night that he got injured. And they also wouldn't release the details of his autopsy, claiming it would interfere with an ongoing investigation. Yeah, there's also another um, kind of strange story that Kelly told the police um, shortly after the disappearance of Ben McDaniel. And he claimed that the night of his disappearance on August 18th, that some, quote, crazy-eyed man had approached him um, right before he was about to close up shop, asking if he could go down and dive. And Kelly basically just told him to screw off. And that was essentially the end of the story. I think Kelly had speculated that he might have been drinking or under the influence. Um, but some people draw a connection between this unidentified individual that Kelly had mentioned um, and Ben's disappearance. Yeah, exactly. People think that he might have known something and that might have played a role in his death. So, again, the McDaniels believe that there is more to the story of Lowell Kelly's death thinking that Kelly did know something about their son's death. So Shelby McDaniel stated that he had heard from others that Lowell Kelly talked too much when drunk. So in theory, if he was involved or had knowledge of Ben's death or whoever was responsible, if he took part with another party, that they could have killed Kelly as well in order to basically tie up loose ends. So it is kind of mysterious that you have the owner of the Vortex Spring being injured in a kind of weird way and dying a year after Ben McDaniel goes missing down the caves. So ultimately, to kind of wrap things up, my opinion from kind of a top-down perspective after doing all this research, it's kind of hard to argue with the idea that Ben McDaniel's body is no longer down there. So they did all these chemical tests. They observed the wildlife. Um, the dogs didn't really turn up any information. And you have all these expert, best of the best kind of professional scuba divers going down there who were all very familiar with the cave already and weren't able to find anything. Um, so ultimately, I think it's possible that he did die down there. Um, however, it would appear that his body was either sucked out to the ocean or was removed by the Vortex Springs people in order to kind of save face and prevent any sort of further bad press. Right. I'd, I'd think the same. I, I just don't see how he could just drown and then not be found. I mean, the cave is only so big and, you know, the experts could dive further than the average diver, so if they couldn't find any signs of Ben, I just don't see how he could die. And, you know, two, three days later when the search begins, they just couldn't find any sign of him. So I would kind of agree with you that 
the most likely explanation in my mind is that he did drown and then whether it was the owner, maybe another employee of working there at the Vortex Spring discovered Ben and then, you know, in fear of being shut down just because of all the other deaths they had, they pulled Ben's body out and ditched him somewhere far away. I don't think he was murdered just because, I mean, he didn't seem like a horrible guy. And yes, he owed some money, but not enough to actually do anything drastic. But so, yeah, I would think that the most likely explanation is he did drown. But as for why his body was missing, I think someone did remove his body. Yeah, I mean, you never really know when you get involved with people with this sort of reputation. Like you said, everybody that worked there had a shady reputation and had been involved in something. Um, But most people think that there was really no motivation behind trying to hurt this guy other than that he had a he was a little bit arrogant. Yeah, I don't know exactly who would be behind the decision to hide Ben's body, but. If you have a guy like Lowell Kelly who is w- willing to try to bash someone in with a baseball bat just because they owed him money, I think he would see this exact same scenario where Ben's death would cost him a lot of money, and in a desperate act, he just you know drags Ben's body out of there and hides it just because he didn't want to lose his business. So that wraps up everything for this episode. If you'd like to send your thoughts on the mysterious disappearance of Ben McDaniel, you can reach out to us at our email address, strangematterspodcast at gmail.com, or feel free to communicate with us via our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you're listening to us on iTunes, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It means a lot to us. We enjoy reading your feedback, and it also helps promote the show so we can always attract new listeners. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care, everybody. See you guys.